All right, good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, we got a lot to talk about today. We sure do. You have had this on the to-do list probably for a couple months now, I think, about additives. That's yes. a big deal. So what is your perception? I'm, I'm sure you've gone into the you know big box stores, parts stores, whatever. It's like aisle after aisle of things that you can pour in that are magic in a can. No kidding. Well, you know, I used to think... You'd see all this stuff and you would see it in these stores and you would think, oh, well, since they're selling it, it's going to be perfectly okay. They've got quite the marketing campaigns. I mean, they got snazzy cans and, you know, end of aisle displays this time of year. And one of the ones you and I always cover is the AC sealant additive or stop leak additive. And I, you're probably sick of hearing about it by this point. Aren't well, you? it's fitting because it is just ridiculously hot. We are oh officially my. in yes. summer and it's just going to keep getting hotter and hotter. So Absolutely. I think it's fitting to talk about it today. So I, I was literally in a big box parts store out in Nixa a couple weeks ago. And I want your opinion on this. So I'm sure you've been to you know the gym and there's like faux pas about... You know, if you're in there working out, you don't want somebody to, like, stop you and give you advice on how to work out, right? Right. So uh, what I really want your opinion on is does that same uh, courtesy, if you will, apply to a parts store? Because here's what happened. I was in uh, a big box parts store picking up something we needed, kind of minor. I don't even remember what it was. And there was a guy with a late model Chevy pickup, probably 2017 or newer. I mean, beautiful Chevy pickup. And he was getting advice from the guy at the counter about putting some additives in there in his AC system to get his AC working again. And so do I say something? Do I, like, pull the trump card on him and say, hey, whoa, boy? Or do I just keep my mouth shut? What do you think is the proper etiquette? Because I'm putting you on the spot here. Well, if I would have been you, I would have probably said something. Just because you know how much money that additive can essentially cost really mm-hmm. it's not just twelve dollars in a yeah. can if it gunks up your ac which nine times out of ten it will oh yeah it's a pretty much guaranteed thousand plus dollar yeah. mistake so you don't want to make that mistake so if if i would have been that person yeah. i wouldn't have been too angry that you would have said something okay as well as did i watch that i listened to what the uh quote unquote parts professional behind the counter said holy cow he is definitely not a listener to listener to our show um he you know i don't know whether they get a spiff or a little bonus for selling some of that stuff you know i've never done that i don't know how their incentive works or if there is incentive i suppose but it just was really amazing and a lot of people i think go into those parts stores for advice you know they want to do things yourself which is cool you know i'm I'm 100 percent. if you can do it great but if it costs you big, big dollars because you got bad advice for something in a can, I just I can't stand it. So, yes, him and I did have a discussion, by the way. Oh, good. Um, they do sell, and just so everybody knows that it's not, oh, just go to the shop or do nothing, they do sell what I consider a pure or a virgin refrigerant that is just 134A um, refrigerant. Now, something that we need to have a little bit of a discussion about I think you and I have talked about it, but around 2017, they started phasing in a new um, refrigerant. Mm -hmm. And so we have the equipment. There's not a lot of facilities that have got on that bandwagon. It's called 1234YF is what it is. And it's actually a flammable gas that they use to do the refrigeration in your newer cars. 
So we had to go through some new training, some new equipment, um, new protocols of how we deal with that, and we have. So a lot of other shops and facilities refer that work to us because, you know, we have the ability to do so. It's a much, um, you know, when any, any of the uh, safety police get involved with it, which is where this came from, um, they put a lot more red tape on it, so the process takes a lot longer. Um, but that's something you you want to make sure that you don't mix refrigerants as well. So you got to know what your system is. I'm going to say 95% of the people out there listening have 134A, which has been in there since probably the, I'm going to say mid-90s. So it's had a good run. You know, it's we're coming up on, you know, many, many years at this point. But it's something if you are having a cooling system, you know, lack of cooling it's not working like it's supposed to. Maybe it works a little bit. Um, you need to get ahead of that. And it's not always just to put more refrigerant in there. An overcharge system is just as bad or it won't cool as an undercharge system as well. Is we fix a lot of command and control issues that have nothing to do with refrigerant. Um, I had one just this week. A tech called me and wanted some advice. His head pressure was hitting way up over 400 uh, which is way, way too high, even with this heat and humidity load. And what he was having is there wasn't enough airflow coming across the front of the vehicle through the uh, condenser. Um, and it was causing that head pressure to go way too high because it wasn't unloading the heat. Now, I know I'm getting a little bit off in the weeds on the technical side of it. Uh, but long story short, he needed a fan clutch. Um, that fixed this truck. It was a late model Dodge diesel pickup. And so we were able, we didn't mess with the refrigerant. We didn't really even do anything with the AC system. We put a fan clutch on it to fix it. So you could have charged that thing until the cows came home and it wouldn't have gotten to the bottom of it. So long story short, sometimes it's cheaper to truly get to the bottom of what's going on and diagnose the issue versus always thinking, oh, it must be low on refrigerant. And you're going to throw some in there and, A, create more of a problem if you put stop leak or sealant in there. And, B, that's probably, you know, you've got maybe a 50-50 shot at this is what's going on. Even if you are right and say you do throw some in there and it starts cooling like it's supposed to, you have to figure out where that refrigerant went to. It doesn't go bad. It doesn't, you know, just decide, hey, I'm not feel like going to work today. It escapes in there. And so if you continue, especially with the way the shortage on refrigerant is this year and the cost of it, it's it's going to get very expensive very quickly. Not only running the system low on refrigerant causes the system to fail prematurely. In a AC system, there's not really a oil pump. The oil is basically kind of pulled along with the flow of refrigerant. So if you have a low charge or low state of charge in any of your vehicles, you have lost some of that oil because as that refrigerant escapes, so does some or a portion of the oil. So you don't want to run the system low on oil as well because then we have oil starvation. We have mechanical failure at that point. And then all those words add up to cost costly repairs. So I don't want you in that boat. I want you as cool as possible. 
typically my um you know protocol for our vehicles that we keep in our in our own personal fleet or our regular customers is I typically want an AC evaluation early in the year. A, I want to be as cool as possible. The cost of it is not all that great to have your AC system evaluated. And this is where the preventative side of things kick in. An ounce of prevention is worth a whole lot more than a pound of cure, in my opinion, because the dollar is not getting um, any uh, stronger at this point, um, regardless of what you see sometimes in the global markets. My dollars, and I know your dollars, are not going as far as they once did. So what I don't want to happen, if I can prevent it, is having a big, large repair for myself or any of you out there. So if we get it in, we make sure it has the correct charge in it. You're going to get maximum cooling out of it. We make sure it's got good lubrication in it. I have some amazing oil that goes in there and really helps those uh, systems last as long as possible. And you benefit and feel that every time you get in for the next several months, not only then, even through the winter, the AC system helps keep the windshield defrosted. Not many people know that. Um, Instead of the condensation growing on the windshield, that dry, hot air, it pulls the moisture out of the air before it blows it on the windshield, helps uh, protect you and keep good vision during the icy and cold seasons so your windshield doesn't fog up on the inside. Um, you know, any of you older folks out there prior to air conditioning being pretty much a standard uh, option on vehicles now, I'm sure you remember a lot of you old timers carried a rag around all the time. And as you drove in a good heavy rain or as the temperature changed or through the winter, the windshield would fog up on the inside. I can remember as a kid, you know, we had to keep a rag there because it didn't, the cars didn't come with air conditioning. We lived up north as a kid, which is a little less common. It's probably a little more mainstream now, but I can specifically remember, you know, having to do that. And the reason nobody has to do that now is hopefully you have a good functioning air conditioning system. And I don't want you to fall into that trap that, hey, it's not cooling like I want and we're going to drop some, you know, fix in a can. I, I I honestly do wish it actually worked and wasn't such a detriment. It'd be great if you could just throw that in there and fix stuff. I've been doing this for almost two decades professionally and grew up in this business, and I have seen every kind of thing out there. Now, there are some good additives. We're not just going to be gloom and doom today, but I wanted to make sure we really kind of got down in the weeds on this deal because I don't want any of you to make that mistake, and it's going to cost you. So we're going to get on to a different soapbox right after Sarah and I get back from the break. All right, welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care, smoking hot out there. Uh, It's probably going to be this way for the next several months. I don't want to be without air conditioning. I'm just going to say it. I've got to that point in my life where, you know, the coolness of the two windows down at 55 miles an hour, where you can't even have a conversation in the, the vehicle. You know, as a kid, we didn't have air conditioning, so I didn't miss it. But now that I'm an adult, I want some air conditioning. This is the first <laughs> summer. I'm really excited. Uh, first summer that I get to ride with Ryan, and we don't experience That's that. That's right. So the, you, yeah. Yeah, the Danger Ranger did not have AC, so we would oh have to roll the windows down. I could never wear, like, lip gloss yeah. in the summertime because the windows and my hair, and it would blow. Oh, my. And it would just get all over my face. That's something I never would have <laughs> thought of, but yeah, yeah that would have been a bad deal. So... Um, 
bag and now wear lip gloss and ride in Ryan's vehicle with him. So I know he <laughs> loved the Danger Ranger. It was so good to you guys. It was. Would you say if he had the opportunity, would he go backwards? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. He it's, likes the new truck. Yeah. Now. At first, he was really not terribly sure about it, yeah. but he has grown to fall in love with it. Good. A little bit more room. AC. Yes. All that little creature comfort, a little there. yeah, a little bit more bells and whistles than what he was used to, and you know it's not a manual, so yeah, that's a plus for you. Yeah. Did you ever learn, or did you try to drive a manual at all? Um, I I could drive it okay. if I had to. Yeah. But I would have really grinded the gears. Yeah. <laughs> and and there it doesn't take too much of that before it really takes its toll on things yeah no kidding so, so i could definitely drive it if there was an emergency but i thought it was super funny there was a younger kid in the in the ford street store this has been a couple months ago and you know i went in there obviously you know this is what mm-hmm. i do for a living and as i'm walking out he stops me and he says hey man it's a manual i'm like hey man i fix cars for a living i'm, I'm good he's like oh okay not a lot of people can drive a manual or standard transmission anymore i'm <laughs> so i just thought that was kind of cool he was probably like 17 super nice young man but you know it was a big deal he was proud he had a, a manual i will say that even with a lot of our technicians um it doesn't happen super often i'd say a couple times a year we'll have a three speed on the column come in have you ever ridden or been in one of those i haven't but that is um update on our <gasps> truck update yes okay we are, do tell we are going to be officially pulling it we've got a trailer nice. we've got all of the straps so we are Excellent. ready i took photos of it too Good. so you could see it Good. But yes, the vehicle that we are going to be pulling from Ryan's family farm yep. is a three. Speed on the column. Yeah. Excellent. I'm excited. I, did, I I probably knew that, but I forgot that that was a manual three-speed on the column. It's just really neat. It kind of makes a whole different driving experience. Um, so essentially this weekend, I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to hook the trailer. I'm going to go out into my pasture. Uh, Jonas, my boy, is going to be with me this weekend. And we are going to winch the old Mazda out hey, of the fence there you row. Go. So, yeah, we're doing the same thing. There you go. I ordered some tires for it. Wow, they had gone up in price uh, since oh, I, I priced them last yeah, time. I bet. Almost, I think, about $40 a tire wow. in the last 12 months that I could have got those tires for, you know, around $100 back then because it's an older 15-inch. Uh, Typically, those are cheaper tires. Um, but now they were up 146 something, I think, plus tax and the whole deal. So, you know, I went ahead and pulled the trigger before they continued going up and up and up and and away in pricing, I guess, and availability. Um, I've got some folks that I know across the country, and they're actually having some shortages on tires. And the folks that have weird sizes, like a one-off, you know, non-common tire, some of the manufacturers at at the manufacturing level are just saying, hey, it's not worth making those tires, so we're not going to. So... If you have something that's not common, you need to get on the hunt before you need tires. Otherwise, you're going to get a real surprise. But, you know, Dragon, I will take some pictures as well and try and see if we can't post those out. I need to do a better job, uh, you know, letting you guys in on some of these projects. I think it's super exciting. Sarah and Ryan are going to be able to get that truck going. It's a piece of history and, you know, years ago, they were very common. I mean, you could pick those trucks and, and older vehicles up for, you know, a few hundred bucks, but uh, you don't see them that often. They're getting very, very hard to come by. And so resurrecting them is a pretty exciting deal. I saw one that was very similar. I think it was even the same 
year make and model of it and they wanted like 15 grand for it and it wasn't completely refurbished yet so if we get it up and running and get it in pretty good pristine condition that's just something that we could always i mean we're never going to sell it but it's nice to know that that's what it could bring absolutely you know it is truly an investment you know i watched this Probably in the late 90s, really start to ramp up where people would take their retirement and tie it up in a vehicle. And really, in the big scheme of things, if you look at you know what you would have made in the stock market or, God forbid, cryptocurrency, which is completely tanking to the bottom right now, the classic vehicle investment has gone up exponentially. So, I mean, it was really a good place to kind of tie up some of that money. So, I know you had told us, Sarah, do you have any idea how long it's been sitting Oh, gosh. Years. Years. Yeah. Maybe a decade, you think? Maybe Possibly. it's been longer than that. It, it doesn't take a lot of time. That's really hard on a lot of things. I have a gentleman that I'm, I'm in the midst of doing a repower to right now at our Sunset location. His truck, um, it was a, probably a mid to early 2000s uh, F-250, and it had been sitting eight years. And when you sit like that, the brakes start to seize up and, and a lot of things going on. So... We're doing a repower. It needed an engine. That's why it had sat for so long. So I'm in the midst of that job. And then we are going to service all the fluids in there at that point in time to make sure we're, you know, protecting as much of that as possible. Because when things sit idle like that, moisture builds, condensation, and they start to become one instead of multiple components, and they kind of rust and melt and mold together. So it's pretty exciting. We're going to put a pretty good investment into this truck, but I really enjoy doing those repowers or, you know, bringing things back. And those, you know, mid-90s to mid to late 2010-ish, somewhere in there, those vehicles are some of the best engineered vehicles because the regulations from the government hadn't really ramped up very hard as of yet. And so, you know, as you look at kind of the global economy and and different things, you actually see people scrapping. And Sarah, I know you've done some scrapping in your time. Yes. Uh, People are scrapping 2015, 2017 vehicles because they have large repairs, you know, engine, transmission, something big. And they're so... um, There's so much regulation on those that the cost to fix them is unbelievable. So you see people putting a significant amount of money into that mid-90s to mid-to-late 2000s where it's cost-effective to put seven, eight, nine, ten grand in one of those vehicles because it's a much better quality, dependable vehicle than, a, say, 2015, 2017. Can you believe that? I mean, it doesn't surprise me at this point. Yeah. It, so I, I heard that, and I was like, no way. people are. But it's becoming more of a common thing that when you get these late-model vehicles, the government puts, and not to be all against the government, you know, I feel like everybody's hammering on them, which they deserve a lot right now. But the government put these CAFE standards, which really came up in the Obama administration. And the CAFE is the fuel economy standards to say you've got to get so good a fuel economy in order to sell your vehicle in the United States. And so the manufacturers started putting a lot of technology in there that wasn't ready yet if you will it did meet the cafe standards but it didn't stand up the test of time wear and tear etc and so you're seeing it you know the vehicles get 120 130,000 on it and they're just roached out and the repair cost is so great 
because they're forced induction, you know, small displacement engines, variable valve timing. They're very, very complex engines, transmissions, etc. You know, Nissan and their uh, uh, VVT transmissions has been a, just an absolute joke in the industry, and they keep putting them out there. And I'm like, man, this is awful. I would hate to have bought one of these and be stuck with that. You know, so people get frustrated and they just send them to the scrapyard. See ya. But I also have folks that are finding these kind of honey holes. I had a, a gentleman, I think it was a 94 one-ton single rear wheel, 7.3 power stroke, four-wheel drive come in the other day. Like eighty or 90,000 miles. I mean, he found a honey of a little truck. <laughs> Interior was immaculate. I think it had been at least barn kept, if not garage kept. I mean, this truck was awesome. It had sat, and so we did a little brake work for him, I think, but he found it. So those deals are starting to get harder to find, but when you do find one, you got to be ready and hang on to it. So Sarah and I are down at the bottom of the hour. We're going to step into a break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah's got a list over there. Yes. What's on that list? So we're talking about additives. Uh, minus. We? Well, yeah, I was going to say, kinda... minus last segment. We got on a tangent there. We did. That's okay. It was still car related. It was. You know, we harp a lot about additives and how a lot of them are bad or a lot of them just don't do anything. Mm-hmm. So when I started working on this show, I just like Googled good additives sure. or something like that. I want to ask you about them. I think that's what most people are going to do, right? Right. You know, that's what I would do if I didn't know something. I'm going to Google it. That's what I did. So I came up with these top rated additives that I okay. wanted to ask you about. And you can give us the yay or nay. So have I seen or done any uh, research prior to this discussion? No, you so have not. So this is right off the cuff. No. Okay. And, uh, okay. So first off, top additive to okay. be added is seafoam. So seafoam was developed like, I don't exactly know off the top of my head. It was military developed it originally. And I'm not saying it's not a great additive, but it's very dated. Um, a lot of people, when the car starts running funny, they want to pour some seafoam in there. And if you read the directions on it, um, it does a whole bunch of things, which typically when things do a lot of things, they don't do any one thing very well. So I'm not pooping on seafoam because that's going to get some hate mail, but the technology has come so, so far. I have experimented and done some different carbon cleanings with some different machines that we have with seafoam, and really the majority of that doesn't do a whole lot. So I am going to poop on the first one and say probably not worth the money that you spent on that additive. Okay. Next additive is the Chevron Tecron Fuel injection cleaner. Have you heard of this one? I have, and that stuff's awesome. Is it? It's okay. Worth every penny. Now, I do have to put this as a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, our lovely uh, safety police have come in over the last, uh, probably during the Obama administration, I'm thinking, and they took a lot of the potency or the good stuff out of that. So it still works very, very well, but it's not as strong as it was, you know, during the 90s and 2000s. Um, carbon is a big, big power, uh, destroying deposit and fuel economy deposit. And that stuff does a very good job dealing with carbon. General Motors, actually, that was part of their normal process. I don't know if it still is, um, for years or decades that that was a service that they did to restore power and and fuel economy back to their engines at the dealership level after production. So, 
Very, very good additive, in my opinion. Yay. So yeah, we've got, we got one. Winner. We got one that's not so much a winner and one that is. Yeah, definitely go. a good one. I like that one. Okay, so the next one, the brand is Bars Leak mm-hmm. Radiator Stop Leak. Complete garbage. Is it really? Absolutely, yes. So people, you know, a lot of times I see that they have this hope. It's kind of like that Hail Mary pass at the end of the game. You're down and out. You have this leak. And so you put that bars in there. It says money back guarantee. I don't know if it still says that. It used to say money back guarantee. Don't hold me to that. But it really, I've seen it cause more harm than good. And I'll give you a real story. I know I do a little bit of story time, Sarah, from time to time. We had a great gentleman. He's a great friend and, and a customer of ours. We've done a ton of work. He had an engine failure out, out of the state. I think he was up north somewhere. And so he went to a shop. They put uh, a new engine in it, but they did a very crappy job. They did just a crappy enough job that it made it exactly 830 miles and broke down. He drove it from that shop to our shop, and we had to put a new engine in it. Well, in disassembly, uh, Harlan, one of our awesome, fantastic heavy line techs and, and just a great wealth of knowledge technician, as he pulled it out, he's like, man, they poked a hole in the new radiator, and then I got to looking with him. And they had put a bunch of that stop leak in there, and it had gummed up the hoses, the radiator. It had just clogged everything up. So I had to overcome a bunch of their neglect or malpractice in order to get a new engine in this. In this, uh, It was an older Bronco, very, very nice Bronco. Uh, I think it was like a 95 or 4, somewhere right in there, full-size Bronco. So it was a 5.8 liter Ford engine, great engine. But their uh, hack or malpractice, in my opinion, definitely did not add to the length of this gentleman's repair. So we were able to get that taken care of, but they had put bar stop leak in there, and it is junk. So, no, I do not like stop leak, uh, especially bars brand. Okay, there you go. There are some other ones out there, uh, not to harken back to General Motors, but they make some wood pulp sealer stop leak, and that was actually a campaign that they did, as well as... I went out to Valvoline's World Headquarters, and our uh, Cummins engine, diesel engines, actually come with a wood pulp sealer from the manufacturer as a preventative if you do have a leak, that wood pulp sealer. So if you are going to use a stop leak, I don't want to just be the hater up here, um, definitely find a wood pulp-based stop leak or sealer, preferably, versus stop leak, and that will be a much better option should should, should you so choose. There we go. To go that route and put some stop leak in your cooling system. All right. The next additive. Uh-huh. You ready? Yep. Okay. Lucas Oil is the brand. Lucas Oil Transmission Fix. Mm-hmm. So Lucas, I believe, is somewhat of a local company around here. I think they have some kind of manufacturing around here. They have Lucas Motor Speedway here locally. I have been a proud user of Lucas Transmission Additive probably since I started driving. A, because I my first many, probably 40 vehicles, and I'm not exaggerating, were just absolute clapped out wrecks that nobody else wanted to put any more time, money, or effort into. And I have seen some amazing things. It is very thick. Essentially, the magic behind that is it thickens the viscosity almost to a maple syrup, a cold maple syrup. Uh, viscosity, and it takes up a lot of the slack that is developed or the wear inside a transmission. So I'm not saying it's a fix-all, but I've used it 
for many years. And it has gotten me a few more miles out of something that was pretty much done. And that's definitely saying something good about an additive, in my opinion. So very good stuff. There you go. Okay, so my final one. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I just didn't write down a brand, Mm -hmm. but we'll just go with it. And you can tell me if it is worth it. Sure. Head gasket fix. So that is very controversial. It is. Um, as well as I just had something occur to me, I wouldn't put any of these in there as any kind of a preventative. These are kind of like a Hail Mary last ditch effort. Um, the head gasket sealer, I've seen many brands out there. I've used cheap ones. I've used expensive ones. I've used in the middle of them. I've seen other shops use them. I've seen other techs use them. I have yet to ever see one actually work. I think that gives the answer there. I, I bet... Not exaggerating. I've seen it, and I actually know shops that sell this as a service, which we won't do, by the way. That's because it's just it's throwing good money after bad. It just it ain't gonna work. And I have tried it. I've wanted it to work. I've I've really applied myself to getting this system to work. Um, it it really is a band aid on a broken arm. It just is not gonna fix it. And you know, I'm sure there's some folks out there listening that, oh yeah, I drove it another four years. If you kept it down to really, you know, short in-town trips and didn't build a lot of pressure in the cooling system, yeah, you probably maybe extended your time a little bit. But in today's day and age with modern engines, it is throwing good money after bad. Okay. So that was my top-rated Google list that okay. uh so what did popped we, up. What so, did we bat? Like 50% maybe? Was I at 40%? So there was five top-rated mm-hmm. And, and uh, you gave me uh, the go-ahead on two of on them. two of them, so less than 50%. Yeah. Now, I have another question. Okay. So when I was researching additives, because honestly, I am the perfect person for this show. Yes. I know absolutely nothing about them. I don't put anything in my vehicle. Mm-hmm. If I have a problem, I just take it to the shop. Yeah. If it's running funny, making a funny noise, that's where it goes. I don't like to try things because oftentimes I feel like if I don't know what is wrong or if i can't pinpoint it there is no need for me to go into a store with all of these things it's like theoretically if you were going to walk into sephora and ulta (laughs) and you see all of these color palettes and all of these things you're not going to just be like oh okay i'm going to pick this off the shelf exactly vice versa with additives Mm -hmm. that's how i see it oh for sure so one thing that i came up with when i was working on this show or trying to do research on it is i kept noticing the uh the ver- the verbiage if you will uh oil additive and additive in oil mm-hmm. is that are those two different things so every oil that you buy has an ad pack that's really what makes or breaks the manufacturer the branding if you will so you know quaker state pens oil mobile one those are all the what makes them them is the ad pack that they leave in there So on the back of an oil can, there's something called an API seal of approval. And I think the the mandate is standard SN, and I think we're going to SP. Now, I'm kind of nerding out a little bit, so just stay with me. As the technology has changed in engines, the tolerances have gotten thicker. They're doing a lot more work than just lubricating the engine with the oil. They're using it as a hydraulic fluid inside that is very important. And so those ad packs 
or the standard that those have to meet is what that API seal of approval with the SN or SP standard is as well. So they're thinning it down so it's less drag on the engine. However, they're trying to boost it to where it doesn't burn off as much because there's a huge oil consumption problem. And they're putting these ad packs in that do different things. Some of them are heavier detergent. Some of them are better dealing with the acids that you know come from the combustion cycle and the buildup of carbon. And so that base stock or refined oil, you want to start with a good quality. Um, obviously, Mobile One's probably going to be at the top end of that. That is a very, very well-developed synthetic oil. And then you've got synthetic blends and conventionals that have different good stuff in them. Now, what happens is, in order to meet the price point, they shave out a certain amount of the good stuff. And when you buy a cheaper oil, you're getting less of the good stuff for a a very simplistic answer. And so if you buy a cheap oil, the additives that you actually are buying if you want to boost your oil is the good stuff that they shaved out of that, at least in my understanding of it. So there are some some pros and cons, but you want to start with a good base oil. And then Sarah and I, I think, have a little bit, but we're going to get into some of those oil additives and how actually important they are right after this next break. All right, welcome back. we got just a little bit of time. you got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We're talking about additives, uh, mainly oil additives. That was a very good, insightful question. Something that occurred to me kind of as we were in break, when I was a kid, most of the oil additives were thickening agents. They were very, very thick. Uh, my dad was an STP connoisseur. We always had that kind of on hand. I remember you could get it at Dollar General for like two ninety nine back then. That makes me sound very old all of a sudden as I say that and hear it, but uh that was kind of the additive base back in the day was your tolerances got loose or the engine got worn, and so you wanted thickening agents. That is absolutely not, and I cannot stress that enough, what modern engines need as far as any kind of boost in the lubrication department. I actually have many vehicles throughout the week come in and have runability or drivability or you know, unpleasant driving experience due to oil-related systems that the oil wasn't taken care of and changed, it wasn't maintained the level enough, or the ad pack definitely didn't hold up over time. So I am not a fan of extended oil intervals, but if you are doing that, and I'm talking about past 5,000 miles, you need to have a good base stock oil and then a good additive. We are a BG Products. Um, that's a professional additive company. I've actually been out to their world headquarters. They're in uh, Wichita, Kansas. It's one of the most boring drives ever, but BG delivered as far as my experience to drive out there and tour their facilities. They have a, um, a whole uh, group of scientists in there that really study the friction uh, is what they study and how to do a better job uh, dealing with it. I think they're called tribologists. I'm probably butchering that word, but it's the uh, the interaction of two materials. And so I actually got to spend a significant amount of time with them and out in Lexington, Kentucky at Valvoline's World Headquarters on what additives really are additives and what are just complete garbage that they're stealing your money. And so they buy the Riz loans, they buy the Lucases, the 
you know, all different brands out there and they test it and run it through the paces. So there were things that I'm seeing in the repair side of it that I had questions on the, what they can do about it. And it was very eye opening. There was some, some, uh, they had answers to most of it, but they didn't have answers to everything. So I'm hoping that spurred them to continue pushing that envelope for you and I both out there. As far as customers driving these expensive vehicles, you need every mile you can get out of these things. And I don't want you throwing your money away on garbage additives, but as well, there are some good additives out there. So BG products is what we've used forever. They've got extremely good additives and we use them for a reason. They continue training us, our staff, our team. Um, I have the ability to reach out to those tribologists when I get into a situation that I have a problem. Um, And that's a good phone a friend to have, a very expensive friend to have, to get to the bottom of some of these things that I'm seeing in these vehicles. One of them uh, was a gentleman named Scott. I don't remember which racing team, but it was a very, very big. I don't. I, th- I want to say it was Joe Gibbs, but I'm not totally sure. They were having a foaming issue in their NASCAR engines at a certain track. And so they flew him out there from Valvoline to get to the bottom of this foaming issue they were having with their oil. One of his additives fixed the problem, and that allowed them to run more sustained high-speed laps than they were able to do before. So... If you don't think some of these additives are doing their thing, it is absolutely amazing what some of them can and can't do. So when you skimp on that, and I've always thought about this, you know, some people, you know, will balk about an expensive air filter or, you know, how much a cost of an oil change is. And I kind of really poop on some of our big box stores that, you know, do these economy oil changes on, you know, an engine that I know is eight, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, and I'm not exaggerating on what some of these engine installs on some of the vehicles you out there in Radioland are driving today. There's a place to save a few bucks, but your fluids, your maintenance, your additives, your filters is absolutely not the place to save those that that those dollars because at that point you're tripping over you know, dollars to pick up dimes, because if you get into a situation that you smoke an engine, smoke transmission, differential, transfer case, etc., it's going to cost you. And so what we used to do, I think, as a consumer is when something big happened, we just went and traded it in and got another car. Well, in case nobody's noticed, it's probably going to be at least another year or two before the new car market really comes back to where you can just go in and buy something off the showroom or off the lot. I believe the used car market is going to get better than it is now, but we're still a little ways. I see it slowing or the crazy prices people are asking for some of used cars are coming down a little bit. They're still way overinflated in my opinion, but that's kind of what we're after. So, man, Sarah, I have rambled on there a little bit. Uh, You were asking about additives. I think we've answered most of those. We don't want to thicken the oil up. There are some good ones out there. One of the ones that I'm doing some checks on now is a company called Liquid Molly. They are a German company. I actually got to get in front of two of their sales reps at a, a training event that we do in Kansas City. And the the testing and development that I've seen from this company, Liquid Molly, has been pretty good so far. Do I think it trumps BG services? No, I, I don't believe that it does. However, at a consumer grade level for the cost they're wanting for some of this stuff, and I'm still kind of doing some personal 
um, you know, investigation and use of it, to be honest, it's been pretty decent. Um, there are a lot of that stuff out there that when you buy it, especially the fuel additive world is either kerosene, diesel, or just sheer gasoline that you're pouring in the tank for a much inflated price over what you pay per gallon at the pump. And they really don't do anything as well as if you buy your fuel at a, at a good name brand, not a private label gas company or gas station, you typically will get a top tier which top tier was developed by General Motors. It is a premium or more refined fuel. And on today's forced induction and GDI engines, which is gasoline direct injected, it definitely makes a difference of gas mileage, power and performance, and longevity of that engine. So if you can stay away from some of the private label um, you know, house brands and stay with the, you know, whether it's a uh, Conoco, uh, Marathon, Shell, um, I think it's Cenex. I'm probably pronouncing that one wrong, but those are going to be your top tier, uh, gasolines. Sarah, did we make any sense today or did I just ramble all day? No, I think you definitely made some sense and I got some questions answered. Nice. So I feel pretty good about it. Sweet. You uh, probably know this, but we have done some BG services on your personal vehicles as yes. well. So. And we have also, I was trying to think of the gentleman that we've had on in the past. I think his name is Ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. We have had BG services yeah. on the show before where they have talked about different uh, items that they have been testing mm-hmm. and things like that. So I'll link that into this show notes. Absolutely. And That'd so everybody awesome. can check those out and hear from the actual professionals that create oh, these yeah. products they and they represent the products. So I think that's pretty nice of R and D in there. So that's a great point. I, I didn't forget about Ed, but that's a very good point as well as they believe in their, their, uh, their additives and, and services so much that if you're have a newer vehicle, they will put a protection plan on your vehicle. If you would just use their services because they know the lifeblood of the vehicle is the fluids running through it. And that's not just like a gimmick thing. You know, I've talked many times, our shop truck, I think is like 340, 350,000 miles original engine. I mean, it's still very strong. My personal truck or my work truck here is getting ready to roll over 200, which isn't a ton, but 200,000 on a vehicle, you know, not that long ago, that was high mileage, and it's just not anymore. Uh, my two personal vehicles, one's at 448, I think, and one's at 352. Um, so I'm getting a lot of good paid-off miles out of that. So, Sarah, this was an awesome show. Thank you for getting this all put together for us. Absolutely. And if you out there in Radio Land have any questions for me or Dustin, you can shoot us a text on our text line. 417-447-5743, or you can reach out to us on our social media at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest yes, of your weekend. Yes, you as well. Be safe. Bye.